Welcome to the Arsenal Podcast. I'm your host, the Arsenal Headmaster. The Arsenal is a place where men are not only encouraged to be strong, logical, and even aggressive, but where it is demanded of them. Do you dare step inside? Are you ready for what lies ahead? Without further ado, let the strategies of war unfold as the stories of modern men are told. Hey all, welcome to the Arsenal Podcast. I'm your host, David, the Arsenal Headmaster. And with me today, I have perhaps the most interesting episode of the podcast. Joining me today is Sterling Cooper, who is a professional, well, I'll let him tell you a little bit about that more in a second here. So Sterling, thank you so much for joining me inside of the Arsenal. No, thank you for having me on, David. This is a very interesting collaboration between the two of us. Uh, I don't think many people would have seen this coming. So, uh, <laughs> hey, I did it until the other day. Yeah. 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 Exactly. yeah exactly. This is the this is the magic of Twitter, right? Like right. you know, a few tweets here and there and a few recommendations from from people we both know and then bang, uh, here we are. Yeah. No, this is going to be a good one. Oh, and then of course, before I forget, you are officially inducted into the Arsenal. So congratulations. Well, thank you very much. The pleasure. Uh yeah, I guess maybe I should give your viewers a little bit of an understanding of who I am uh before we dive into this thing. Yeah, absolutely. Go ahead and introduce yourself. I, man. I imagine with uh, you know with your work in like helping guys overcome and get get rid of a porn addiction, they shouldn't know who I am. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, my name is Sterling Cooper. I have been working in the adult entertainment industry as a male performer since 2017. Uh, in a, in all. I've worked for all the major studios with, with all the big name stars in many different countries around the world. I've worked in Australia, I've worked in England, I've worked in uh, Hungary, I've worked in uh, Czech Republic, and I've worked in uh, the United States for the last couple of years. Uh, like I said, shot for the biggest directors in the business, the biggest companies in the business. And uh, prior to that, I also worked as a high class male companion back in Australia, uh, where I would sort of take wealthy business ladies out on boyfriend experience dates and the like uh so basically for the last eight years plus i've been working as a male sex worker that's a straight male sex worker is the you know one, another way you could describe it and nowadays i uh, i kind of pull on my experience professionally uh in the bedroom to help guys actually overcome things like performance anxiety erectile dysfunction premature ejaculation and i also help them perform you know give their partners a better experience in the bedroom as well like uh, these are basically the two fields i i dabble in these days where i've gotten a lot of questions from guys i've ended up in this sort of men's self-help space on the internet on youtube in particular uh and i'm very happy to be here if i'm being honest it's a very great it's far more fulfilling work it's far more enjoyable it's great to know that i can help young men uh well, men young and old actually uh overcome these kind of problems and so and now that's led me you know here to you today <laughs> yeah no like i said starting off on perhaps the most interesting episode i've ever done you know because you're from the industry and my whole mission is to burn it down <laughs> yeah yeah so, so I, I, that's why i knew we'd have an interesting conversation my man so. oh yeah absolutely yeah I, I love you know the power of twitter because i made i don't even remember what my tweet was but i know zach small you know he quoted it and he's like I did a podcast with this guy. He's been in it and he says, don't watch it. And I was like, yeah, interesting. Yeah. <laughs> I actually met Zach. Uh, I was in, uh, in Vegas doing a, a conference with, and me and Zach were 
both speakers there. Me and Zach had connected on Twitter before that. And then, uh, you know, he kind of he kind of got a, a, an inkling of what I was about. And, but then when I, he, was, he was telling me after I did my presentation, one of the first things that came out of my mouth when I was on stage was, don't watch porn. It was literally one of the first words out of my mouth. Mm. And, uh, and he was like, damn, that's interesting. And so me and him got chatting and I did his podcast, mm. I think, last week. And then, again, it's kind of this interesting thing, being in, in, in my position, doing what I do, or having done what I've done. Uh, there's a, I get a lot of uh, judging a book by its cover, let's say that much. Uh, and a lot of assumptions will be made about me. And you'd be quite surprised to find that I have a lot more in common with the average Christian conservative than I do with the average uh, Los Angeles porn star. Let's just say that. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Are you religious at all? You know what? I, I, I can't in good faith say that I belong to any particular denomination. I, however, I, man, over this last year, it's kind of funny you say that. I had it, one of my, my, my very best friends, he actually converted to Islam at the mm. beginning of last year. And that was an interesting point for me because I was like, he, he was like like white English guy raised in basically like an Anglican environment. Uh, and he ended up converting to, to Islam. And it got me thinking a lot. And we, and we ended up having a lot of ch talks about God and the idea of God and religion and, and what it means. And, you know, I'm a big fan of, various people's work who are for ostensibly christian you know i'm a big fan of people like stephen crowder i'm a big fan of somebody like jordan peterson uh various people like this and there's a lot in like most of the basically all the monotheistic religions that i see eye to eye on be that christianity or islam and to a lesser degree like some of judaism i'm like this stuff kind of makes sense like it, it's always old wisdom old wisdom that we that has always been true. In and this is kind of what drew my friend to Islam actually, was like the, the way that Islam kind of handles male-female dynamics and male-female relationships. And it's all the same, exactly in, in the Bible, and it's all kind of the same as well. You know, I've, I've started reading like a few verses from the Bible here and there, and I'm like, this is some pretty based stuff. Like in the way it talks about the way that men and women should interact, the husband and the wife should interact. And I'm like, I've looked at quotes from the Bible and I'm like, this could easily be in like a BDSM, dom sub relationship guide like take with a slightly different twist on it there's not that dissimilar uh there's nothing that much dissimilar in the way these two relationships are supposed to play out you know one lead one person's in charge one person's following like one you know the man's the head of the household etc and so i yeah i wouldn't say it's, it's i definitely can't say i'm a denomination but i am yeah like i said i have a lot more in common than than, uh, than a christian conservative than i typically do with a complete atheist Okay. Yeah. yeah, that's that's an interesting just conversation in general, right? Because there's so many parallels between, you know, Christian Christianity, Christian values, when you get into like conservative values. I've had this yeah. conversation plenty of times with people, you know, because it is in line with like, you know, well, I mean, just for you, right? Like I read over on your website and one of your big things is to help teach men to be unapologetically masculine. Yes. And unfortunately, because of modern perceptions of Christianity, everybody thinks mm. of Christians as just these, I mean, I can't even put a word, you know, it's just pushovers, we, yes. all things that, like that. That is exact. Unfortunately, that's the exact conclusion. This is why my friend actually converted to Islam. He was originally going to take up Catholicism, uh, but he started going into, into churches in England and they were all empty. 
Mm. And he was like, well, he was, and he was looking for God. And he was like, well, I'm not going to find God here. There's nobody here. And so he, he said, and he's, he was actually against Islam because he's, in England, there's a big sort of conflict between like traditional Western, uh, you know, British people and like Muslim immigration to a degree. There's a big, bit of big conflict there. Uh, so he was actually kind of against Islam. And then he started reading the Quran and he saw some of the based stuff in the Quran. He was like, actually, a lot of this makes sense. Uh, so that's how he ended up going there. But that kind of gets leads to this thing you just said, where modern Christianity has kind of been, uh, look the word, like pussified is probably a way of saying it. It's like, it's been feminized. It's probably a better way of saying it. It's been feminized. Uh, and so I, like I said before, like you read, you read stuff in the Bible, you're like, this is pretty based stuff, but no one's really acting upon that. They're not really following the scripture like it's kind of dictated in a lot of ways. They're bending the rules to fit modern Western society's view of how men and women should interact in this sort of egalitarian way of looking at things. Like as if, as if men and women are exactly the same and, and equal on all levels, which they obviously aren't. We're all, we're very different from each other. Right. So complementary, yeah. complementary is the better yes. way of saying Yes. Yeah. Complementary is, the, is, a, is a great way to put it. And even just to dive into, you know, Christianity or what have you, a lot of people will talk about, you know, God made men and women equal. It's like, yeah, we're equal in value, but that doesn't necessarily mean we're equals. You know, men have different roles, women have different roles. And there are some, there are some areas where there should not be any crossover. And thanks to our very androgynous society these days, it's, we want (laughs) those lines to be completely blurred. Yeah. And I, and Again, this is why this is where I say I'll come back to it again, just to reiterate it. This is where I disagree with a lot of people in my industry. Uh, my industry is very much SJW woke Californian culture, and if you don't conform one hundred percent to that ideology, you are a bad man. You're an evil man. You are a misogynist. Hmm. You're a racist. You're a sexist. You're a whatever. Uh, some kind of ism or ist. <laughs> right. And, uh, yeah. Whatever. Whatever label the day they want to throw at you. Yeah. So I've been kind of, uh, yeah, sh- uh, minute cancelled to a degree uh, in Los Angeles for expressing my opinions on Twitter. And because, uh, mm. because honestly, honestly, I, I just, I was sick and tired of keeping my mouth shut. I'm sick. Of, I don't. I don't like being told what to do. I don't like being uh, told what that I can and cannot say certain things. So. Right. Uh, eventually eventually i just my my patience came to an end i started to speak my mind uh so here we are now <laughs> right yeah no that's interesting you mentioned that i mean my experience is not anywhere like yours i can imagine but actually last year i'm coming up almost a year since i was canceled and i don't talk an awful lot about it but the short end of the story is some people from one of my churches saw tweets they didn't like yeah. and then they so i got kicked out of that church lost my job got kicked out of another church. And from there, I was just like, you know what, screw it. If I'm going to talk mm. about these things, I'm going to make my own business. So for a while, I was actually anon on Twitter. And then I got to the point where I was like, you know, if I really want to make an impact, I probably should get my face out there. Yeah. So that's it, man. You got to, you got it's uh it's a weird world we live in, but you got to, you kind of have to put your, your neck out on the line, put your neck on the chopping block for people to kind of like really pay attention. So, oh yeah. I mean, good for you for doing that, man. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. Yeah, once I, I was canceled once, you know, in early 20s. So I was like, okay, I should probably take online business seriously. So if it 
it's possible that it happens again. I'll, you know, they can't take anything from me. So, yeah. yeah. Okay. So let's, well, I'm actually really curious to hear why you got into porn in the first place or really just your line of work in general. Cause I was skimming through your website and you mentioned you had done the, you know, the high ticket escorting before you got into like the, you know, porn itself. Mm. So, but yeah, what, what was the big thing that made you realize or realize or think like, I want to do that? You know what? It's kind of like, I, I have this thing in me where I want to have, like, I want to live. I've always had this drive to live a life that nobody else has lived and to sort of like, because there's the, like some people, they only live one life. It's a kind of a weird thing to, to describe, but they live like the prescribed life. Like I'm going to go, I'm going to go to public school. I'm going to get, uh, then I'm going to go to college. Then I'm going to, you know, marry and do the two, two and a half kid white picket fence thing. And it's all like pre-planned. And there's a lot of people following the exact same roadmap, you know? And a lot of parts of that roadmap, I feel like are very flawed, in particular the college part. Oh, absolutely. Um, so that's a, that's a totally, totally different subject entirely. But for me, I've always kind of, I like to be a bit of a contrarian. I like to be like, I don't like being told what to do. And I like to, like I said, live a life that no one else has ever lived. So prior to, the, prior to getting into this industry, I actually ran, I ran like a paleo food delivery business uh, for a number of years. I was doing all right. Prior to that, I was actually uh, an industrial uh, chemist. I have a chemistry degree. Uh, I used to work for like a pharmaceutical company doing nanotechnology. And then I worked for an oil and gas company doing uh, quality control chemistry. So I've got a bit of, and I come from like a tiny 3,000 person town in rural Western Australia where we grow apples and farm cows. So I have this, I have a very eclectic, weird kind of background of experiences. And, uh, and honestly, like, you know, growing up in that tiny, tiny town, like women, like I knew all the girls that I grew up with. So like this, the idea of like the big city and, and, and women was kind of alluring and like exciting and, I kind of got to this point in my, my last business where I was working my butt off. I was working really hard and I was in a, I, the, my business partner and I really were having a lot of conflicts. The guy was like a total, uh, a, like a sociopath and we ended up splitting ways. And I got to thinking like, why am I putting myself like, honestly, I, I did a lot of introspective work. I was like, why am I busting my balls like day in, day out, not really making as much money as I want to, but with the intention of making money. Like, what is the end goal? I had sort of reflected, like, well, why do I want to make money? And for me, honestly, and this is like, you know, in my mid-20s, I'm a, a young, virile man. I was like, well, I want to make money so I can travel the world and, and, and meet beautiful women and be, with, and be with beautiful women. If I was being totally 100% honest with myself, that was the reason why. And I said, well, why don't I just cut out the middleman <laughs> and, and sort of be, go straight to the source and be paid for that and turn this into a career? Uh, and I was able to sort of network with the right people and uh, and I kind of ended up there, and uh, it was a combination. It was actually a combination of that, and uh, and also, and this is this might sound again like a bit of a weird, weird, uh, weird reason, but it was hundred percent the reason that got me there. I had a loved one, uh, and she was passing away from cancer. And when someone's dying from cancer, you kind of think about death a lot, right? It's not like not like a car crash or like a heart attack where they're just gone all of a sudden, right? So I was confronted with this this idea of impending death of a loved one for like 12 months and it got to this point where I, I just I spent for 30 days straight I woke up and I asked myself the exact same question 
And that question was, if I died today, what would I regret having never done in my life? And the answer for, for 30 days straight was pornography. I was like, I would regret hmm. having never tried, never given this a shot. Because I, I kind of knew I had a really good inc inclination that I could do it. And I was like, you know what? I, it'd be a shame if I never tried and at least had a crack at this. And so like, I don't know, I can't really explain it any deeper than that. I just know that that was the answer that came to me for 30 days straight. So I was like, all right, well, I'm going to do this. And I did it. And I uh, found a way and I, I hustled and I networked and I got, I was fortunate enough to be given a shot and I did a good job. And uh, yeah, here I am today, uh, you know, four years later with an award to my name. And I was like, all right, I guess I was, I guess I was right. I can do the job. So, yeah. 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 No I, kidding. There's no more. Is no, it's, I'm not going to try and pretend like it was some like deep esoteric, uh, like <laughs> selfless reason, because it isn't. You know, it's a very selfish, a selfish career. If I'm being totally honest, it's a very selfish career, which is probably why I have pivoted to doing what I do now, and I'm far. I mean, and I'm enjoying it a lot more, and I'm a very happy man. In case you couldn't, uh, yeah, pick no, up on dude, that. I love your energy. Love it. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. That's, okay, so let's let's actually piggyback off of what you just said there, you know, that what you were doing was very selfish, and now you're a lot more fulfilled. Mm. So let's talk about, you know, be it the mental or the emotional toll that doing porn put on you, you know, because one mm. thing that I help guys with is work through the mental and emotional side, but because they're consuming it. Yeah. So I'm interesting to see or hear from you what that was like when you were you know, partaking and producing it. It's um, it's it's actually a lot more of a demanding job than guys might realize. Like a lot of dudes, kind of like, here's the, the kind of misconception most people have about porn as a male talent. They think it's the easiest, the greatest job in the world, and that they could definitely do it. Uh, no, you probably couldn't. <laughs> First and foremost, I'm just going to say that most men could not do this job. It takes a certain kind of guy to be able to do it. I so you have to have a certain, you have to be an exhibitionist. Uh, you have to really kind of play that up. Uh, and you have to have like a kind of a perverted side to you. And I don't think there's anything wrong with, with a bit of perversion and, and, you know, having having fantasies and having a sex drive. I don't think there's anything wrong with that at all. Right. Uh, but you have to have that that kind of dialed up to at least like a 10 or a 9, you know. There has to be a part of you uh, in order to even do this. But in terms of uh, one of the things that kind of, it, at least one of the positive things that actually came out of it for me was like, I really learned to put my foot down. And I'll explain why. So... When, when I'm working on a film, I'm not really having relations. I'm not, I'm not sure how much, what kind of language I can use on your show. You can uh, say whatever you want. Okay, cool. Okay. I'm not having, <laughs> I'm not, I'm trying to keep it PG. Uh, I'm not having sex for me and I'm not even having sex for her half the time. I'm having sex for the camera. You know what I mean? Mm. So I'm, I'm, I'm twisting and I'm turning and we're putting, I'm putting us in certain positions purely so the camera can see what's going on. And about like 60% of the time, it's, it's work. And then like the, other, the last 40% of the time, I'm really, I'm actually enjoying myself as much as I want to. And I'm making sure that she's enjoying herself. And what, one of the things I discovered was that there's a lot of directors who would, who would I mean, as a male talent, you pretty much get treated like cattle. Uh, <laughs> I'm not going to lie. You're kind of <laughs> like, but it's ironic because you're, like you're like the plow horse. Like everything depends upon you. The, uh, the way I like to describe it is a, a porn scene is kind of like a Ferrari. And the beautiful woman, that she's like the chassis and the colors and like the, the slick design. But the guy is the engine underneath the hood. He's the reason the whole thing works. So without him, ain't nothing, you're not going anywhere. 
and so you're like the whole shoot depends upon you doing a good job and performing uh but at the same time women run the entire industry and they have all the power and they have all the they get all the power all the money and like make all the real big decisions so you, you sort of like there's a degree of like uh ungratefulness embedded in it and one of the things that tended to happen a lot was directors would try to put me in certain sex positions or whatever which i knew were uncomfortable and weren't necessarily anatomically good for like my height where my hips are you know all these kind of weird hmm. things like on, on right. tables and chairs or whatever and so it, it just taught me to sort of put my foot down and be like no ma man this is not going to work we need to do it this way because otherwise i'm not going to do a good job you're not going to do, do a good job blah, blah, blah. so it kind of taught me like with that like that that they in that in, in the industry they're not going to respect you by default or like give you like you know not even that respect like respect and then you would kind of get treated a little bit like cattle so i was like all right put my foot down start start speaking my mind and i can do i can do the job that way i want to do it but honestly i haven't really i wouldn't say i've been like traumatized or anything from the industry i had a great i had a fun time i had a great time but it is a it is a selfish existence and if you don't have something outside of it that gives you fulfillment that gives you purpose because you can't really derive purpose from it you know if you don't have anything outside of your industry that outside of that industry that gives you purpose and drive and meaning in your life it's really just emptiness and it's like and i'm not trying to sound you know doom and gloom and i'm not trying to sound like uh, um you know stereo i'm not trying to hit, hit on any stereotypes here but it's it's like, like it's totally it's fun and it's it's enjoyable, especially the guy, but it's not really going anywhere. And I found that when I, once I sort of, because for me, it was like I was climbing this mountain. I was like, I went from Australia, which is a tiny industry, to England, which is slightly bigger, to, to the European industry, which is a little bit bigger. And then I finally made it to LA. I'm like, yes, I did. I accomplished the goal that I was trying to do. And then two years later, I'm like, oh, now what? Like, mm. where, where to now? Like, there's nothing. It's just the same sort of thing again and again. You know, same, same routine, just with different faces every day. You know, right? And uh, yeah, and and honestly, it's actually made me appreciate sex in my private life a hell of a lot more, because now, because sex in my private life, it, I get to do it my way and 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 do it for my the pleasure of my partner, and we get to have a great time. Mm. But I also I, I can take all the skills that I and right. what, from the industry, but I can apply them in a way that is where I'm not doing it for a camera anymore. I'm doing it for our pleasure, and I actually have a lot more fun with it nowadays than i was before so right. that's kind of what i've taken away from it right yeah i can only imagine <laughs> probably don't like being told what to do <laughs> yeah, yeah. Not, even, not, not as much as you know and that's the thing with, that's the thing with being a, with a, being a male uh performer is you have to be able to you have to it's this weird paradox you have to be like supremely you have to be very confident in yourself while simultaneously be able to take direction from someone be humble enough to take direction from a director so you can give him what he needs for the film but yeah okay okay yeah so let's let's also talk a little bit about would you say the your experience in the industry did that impact your ability to have a personal relationship with women more specifically romantically or did you i mean part of me suspects you kind of went into it with like you know, it's almost like you were a different person maybe while it was going on. So you kind of disconnected yourself from the work. Mm. So maybe it was like, oh, I'm going in for work and it's just work. 
And then as opposed to, you know, building relationships, it's like, okay, now I actually get to be me. So what yeah, was that it, like for you? It's very much like that. Um, yeah, you sort of, you, 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 there's a disconnect between like, there's such a big difference between having, there's like, like it's, it's, I'm trying to put it into words. It's such a big difference between like having, having sex with somebody who, you know, like a girlfriend, a partner, whatever, where it's genuine desire versus like you two are, are paid to do something for a company and it's like all right whether or not you two actually get along and have genuine chemistry <laughs> you got to do it anyway so it's yeah it's totally different it had and, and, and in my personal relationships i've i had personal relationships all the way through my career uh sometimes with, with girls who were in the industry some girl sometimes with girls who weren't in the industry so i've had a varied experience of both uh and even and today i'm i'm totally I, I still have like intimate relationships with women and it's, and they're good. They're, they're, they're loving relationships. It doesn't stop me from being able to do that. Uh, not every woman is totally okay with that as a background and that's fine. I accept that it's a consequence of, you know, of my actions and that's totally fine. Uh, but some women, are, they can, they, some women are totally okay with it. And they get over it. They're like, all right, it's not, it's not that big. A, they're not that, not as concerned about it as I, as you might think all the time especially because i'm a guy it's a bit it's a the standard is a bit different uh for guys and girls who come from our right. industry obviously right for various reasons okay uh another just interesting question what were what were the women you worked with like when the camera wasn't on mm, this is a very good question <laughs> so i kind of lumped them in i lumped i lumped women in my industry into three different categories and it's uh, so there was a, there's like a third that were I would describe as genuine nymphomaniacs, like they they are they are in the in the industry because they are exhibitionists. They they love sex and they're exploring their sexuality. Um, and for the most part, it it tends to be because they came from a, a they came from some kind a kind of an upbringing where their sexuality was rather repressed, and it's kind of like a backlash response to, to having like their sexuality repressed a bit, be it from a parent, be it from like a religious upbringing, whatever it is. There's a surprising amount of uh, Catholic schoolgirls and Mormon schoolgirls in our industry, a surprising amount. Uh, and even some guys with that background, like pastors' sons and things like that. It's actually more common than you'd think uh, in our industry. So about, but about a third of the girls were genuine nymphomaniacs they were great to work with you could develop chemistry with them very easily and you have a good great day on set another third are kind of professional about the whole thing so you're not there's not really that and typically these are the girls actually that have like a partner a husband a boyfriend back home so on set they're they're being they're rocking up on time they're learning their lines uh you know your vibe and then, uh, but when the camera starts rolling, they're, they're, they're good, they're performing great, they're, they're giving you like their all. And then there's this last third, which I call the divas. And this is the really interesting part. So these are the girls who typically they start out really young, like 18, 19, 20 year olds. And then within six months or a year, they're starlets. They're really popular for some reason. The fans love them. And this all goes to their head and they become extremely narcissistic. Uh, the ego goes, to, through the roof, they become extremely narcissistic. 
and they become a diva and they become a bit of a pain in the ass if i'm being honest to uh, to deal with it to have on set and directors behind closed doors directors and other male performers will say the exact same thing about the exact same women that i'm i'm referring to and i'm not naming names <laughs> not, that, not that you're the audience would even care what their names are anyway <laughs> but they have this they, like they're, they're the kind of girl who'll be like on her phone checking her instagram rather than like sitting there and chatting with the man she's going to have penetrate mm -hmm. her in about 30 minutes time which is a weird thing yeah to, to sort of see it to be around you know so it definitely like man I'd, I'd be lying if i said it doesn't screw with women to a degree like but honestly not all like because not all of them because like i said there's like, there's like a third of them where they they kind of like fall in love with every man that they work with in a way in their own way and and that is kind of endearing and it's and they're they're still sweethearts. They're they're lovely. They're not they're not you know massive narcissists or like rude. They're really polite. They're really sweet. Uh, you know, and they they just have sex with every damn near every guy they come across. <laughs> or right. they get paid. They get paid to. But then there's the other the other, the other chunk who let it go to their head. They 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 get into the kind of the glitz and glamour of it to a degree. And they're and it's like an eighteen like man like eighteen year old girl getting paid like a thousand dollars a day. For like like oh you know, yeah they're not taught financial literacy you know? <laughs> uh these girls are running what are they and what are they spending their money on they're spending their money on like shoes handbags lingerie sets makeup hair extensions sometimes plastic surgery like it's all being it's not saving and putting it into a rough ira like they're they're they're, they're not taught how to sort of manage this stuff it's kind of like kind of like when you when somebody wins a lotto that most people are broke within five years of winning the lot of winning millions it's exactly the same with these young porn girls unfortunately because no one's teaching them anything and they're coming and you know an 18 year old girl doesn't know anything about the world or anything about finances for the most part so they kind of get they, they come in they get fast money and they kind of let the lifestyle go to their head and they run away with it and sometimes the the like the median i don't want to say the average lifespan but like the median lifespan like the most common lifespan for a female performer is about two years in our industry you know in america you want to hear a really sad statistic the median lifespan for a european female performer is only like six months hmm. interesting they are, they are churned in and out of that industry really quickly over in eastern europe it is really a lot, a lot more dark uh, over that side i could be i'll be honest hmm. i would imagine that partially has to do with like you know, are you familiar with like the Coolidge effect or how novelty plays into us as men being aroused? Uh, I'm aware of the, uh, the idea of like no, how novelty affects it, but I've never heard of the term the Coolidge effect. Can you explain oh. that? Yeah. So the Coolidge effect, they, so where it came from is they did an experiment on with like a male rat and they had him in a cage and they'd give him a female rat, you know, they'd get it on. And then after he was done with her, when he was exhausted and tired with her, they'd put a new female rat in the cage, you know, and after he was like done with it, he'd see her and he was ready to go again. Mm. You know, so the, the way that correlates to men watching porn is the fact that every single time, you know, cause we at a fundamental level are wired to have as much sex as possible so that we can spread our seed and have as many kids as possible. Mm. So every single time we see a new woman who could be a potential partner, a part of our brain, you know, gets activated and there's a whole dopamine rush and all that fun stuff. Yep. So for a guy who's actually, you know, watching porn or browsing through photos, 
he's seen way more partners than any of his ancestors would have had in a lifetime. Yeah. So his brain is just firing and firing and firing. But I'm wondering if that has anything to do with like, you know, you mentioned the lifespan of the actor or the actress actresses is it could just very well be because like they're, they've had their turn and people are sick of them. It's kind of like that. So there's not we have, we have a term for that. that we, we, we say a girl is shot out when no one wants to book her anymore. And it's a combination of two things. It's one, she's worked for every like website slash director in the industry, in her local industry. Like this is say like in Europe, there's like a certain number of directors and then, and then in America, there's more directors, right? And it's very, it's very rare that European girls will get flown over to America to work. Occasionally American, really popular American girls will get flown over to Europe to work, but it's not really common the other way around. So there's one, yeah, has, has, have all the directors shot her is one thing. And two, and this is what actually t- tends to dictate their lifespan, is what things have they done on camera? And mm. in Europe, they aren't, they're not managed. So they don't have a real proper agent who, like, takes, who manages their career and spaces out their bookings. You know, unfortunately, like, I don't want me to get graphic, but like some of these girls in Eastern Europe, they're doing like gangbangs and double anal within like two to three months. Uh, yeah. Of of like stepping into the industry, and it's like you can you can tell it takes a toll on these girls, man. And then once they've done they've done all the they've done all the stuff, they've done everything. There's nothing left for the fans to see. There's no carrot dangle being dangled in front of the fans for that particular actress. So I'll give you an example of what I mean. There's a, a friend of mine here in, in Miami. She's a, she's a porn star. She's been in porn for like 20 plus years, I think. Uh, Sarah J is her name. She's very, very famous. She has never done anything with her butt, shall we say, right? That, that kind of act. Right. But she's always dangled it in front of the fans as like, maybe one day I'll do it. Maybe one day I'll do mm-hmm. it. That's why she's still popular because there's still something left for her to do. So they keep right. sticking around just in case, you know? And in America, they tend to manage the girl's career a little bit better if, they got, if she's got a good agent. Some agents are good agents, but if the agent is good and he's like looking after her career, he'll pace her out. He'll be like, look, she might only do girl-girl stuff in the first six months. Then in the next six months, she starts doing guy-girl scenes. And then six months later, she might do, you know, add, add like two guy, one girl scenes with, you know, just, just vaginal penetration. And then maybe... In a two year, in another year's time, she might start doing anal sex, but but her career gets paced out, so that the fans have something to stick around for, and it keeps her her fan base engaged and keeps her keeps her marketable. Right. But girls don't have this this understanding of the industry coming in, and they don't look at it like a career. They don't look at it like professionally, so they kind of they, they stuff up, and this is where you get, you know, some girls will come in the industry and they'll they'll drop out and they'll be kind of jaded and they'll be, and they'll regret their choices and they'll regret they'll regret doing it. Because they came in, they didn't get as much money as they thought they were going to get, and now they're uh, like now they have an online. There's an online stamp there, which they right. cannot get. This is forever. This ain't going away. This is never. This is the internet. You can't erase it. Right. Uh, as much as they would like to, they cannot erase it. And their future husband or partner is going to have to deal with that consequence. They're going to have to. They're going to have to come to terms with the fact that they've been <laughs> broadcast all over the internet for right. everyone to see. So there's a, there's a there's real world consequences and ramifications of that. So, you know, that, that, that's, yeah, that, that ties into, I guess, like uh, the way our society is set up right now as well. And it's a lot more socially acceptable for, for, for a woman to do that. Right. Today. right. And 
and I, I want to I want to jump on something real quick here as well, David, which is like there's this kind of misconception going around sometimes about our industry that we tr that girls are trafficked into it. This is right. absolutely for, for, and I'm speaking for like the professional porn industry side mm -hmm. of things. I have never worked in my entire career with a girl who wasn't there of her own free will. Right. Every okay. girl I've worked with was there of her own free will and her own volition. Because and all the agents I know, they're not recruiting. They're checking their inbox every day and new girls are applying to them to yeah, get okay. in. It's not it's not the other way around. So like we're not actively out there looking for people, like or looking for girls. Right. They're coming in. And it's just a case of all right, well the the demand is there because every dude's most of the male young population is has some kind of porn habit today, unfortunately. Yeah. And so it's like the demand is there. We'll just keep we'll mm -hmm. keep it going. And women and younger girls are seeing it as like a quick buck, especially right. if they live in, in, in America or you know, like kind of in, in the hot spots of pornography in America, like Vegas, LA, Miami. Uh, yeah, and, and it kind of creates this cycle, and it's and it's yeah, we're gonna we're gonna get to. I'm gonna go on another rant in a minute when we eventually start <laughs> talking about when we eventually start talking about OnlyFans and things. But I don't want to get too far off your point. Okay, yeah, no, it's it's interesting that you brought that up. I would imagine, you know, well, I mean, first and foremost, right? Like you've worked in a professional industry, so it makes sense that things would have to be done by the book. Consensual people would have to come in on their own free will, yeah. things like that. But then, you know, then you get into the topic of like amateur stuff or just things that look like it was shot with an old recorder. And then yeah. there, you know, that's the gray area where there's no way to really know for sure. Yeah. And then too, right, like you had just mentioned, we are going to talk about OnlyFans and, you know, what your opinions on OnlyFans are or, you know, I guess, yeah, it's, yeah, what, what's your opinion on just the rise of OnlyFans? also from the standpoint of you being a professional actor yeah and also the standpoint you know like you just mentioned you've witnessed young women come into it and they realize this is not what it what i thought it was going to be mm. and there's an immense sense of regret yeah and look i'm not gonna i'm not gonna take away their their sense of agency like they have women have free will you know they have they have they mm -hmm. can determine their own they can make their own choices <clears throat> Uh, but you've got to be responsible for your own choices and it's and don't be ignorant of the ramifications of your choices and i feel like feminism in particular has screwed over a lot of women by brainwashing them that they shouldn't be responsible for their own decisions fundamentally i mean would you would you agree with that or not david that feminism has brainwashed them into thinking they are or aren't responsible for their decisions that, that, fem that feminism tries to teach young women that like you can like you can make decisions and it's not like you can you can like you're not responsible that sorry <laughs> that feminism teaches modern young women that they're not responsible for their own actions to oh I, yeah I, I think that's the case but yeah no I, I would tend to agree with that especially the you know the consequences of those things like oh you know because I think it should be said you know that there are consequences be it good or bad when you put yourself naked on the internet, yeah. you know, whatever that may be. And maybe that'd be something interesting we could talk about before diving into the OnlyFans discussion mm. is have you met or know of anyone or have you heard any stories of people that had gotten into the industry and they tried to get out and it was just a shit show and ruined their 
lives for better or for worse or anything like that? You know what? It's honestly, I don't know many girls where it was like a total, uh, like a total shit show. I do know there's been cases where like girls, but like if they get out of the industry, they pretty much have to find some way of being self-employed or typically from what, what I've noticed is that they locked out, they get into a relationship with a guy before they get out of the industry. They get into a relationship with, a, with like a guy who's not in the industry, who's doing all right. And they kind of ride his coattails to a degree or they start up a, a they become self-employed in something. So like, I know a girl who got out of the industry who trains dogs, for example. Uh, you know, they'll, they'll, have, they'll have and they'll do something that is totally separate because you can't, I can't go and work in corporate America, that's for sure. Right. Uh, they'll immediately get rejected. Uh, but I wouldn't say, I, like, I wouldn't say there's like, I have never at least encountered these sort of real horror stories. You mm-hmm. do hear about them occasionally, you know, if, and if you, if you hear about it, it's, it's going to be in the newspaper and stuff. It's going to be sensationalized. Like, I think there was a, there was a story of this ex-porn star in Vegas who was like found, uh, um, she was like homeless and living under like the, the underpasses and stuff in Vegas for a while. And she was, that, that mm-hmm. made the news headlines and stuff. But that's, it's not really the typical story. And here's why. Because despite the fact, uh, you know, that, that most men wouldn't want to date a woman who's worked in pornography. I think that's a pretty fair, they wouldn't want to like have a long-term relationship or, you know, in marriage and kids with a woman who's been in porn. I think that's a fair statement to say for most men. Uh, despite that, there are still going to be, uh, it's going to be an endless line of dudes who are willing to date her because men today don't really have standards. Men today, men today are pretty simpy. Yes. Uh, oh which yeah. Is, which is the reason why OnlyFans is so big. Right. Uh, there's a whole, all this stuff ties into each other, in my opinion. It's all connected, man. Right. And uh, but you know, that that's why a lot of girls will get out of this industry, and they might not necessarily be like, you know. They might have a bit of regret about what they did. They might not necessarily be super happy with the guy they've ended up with either, because like, you know, in because like I said, it kind of fuels this bit of narcissism in them. So in their mind, they're probably up here, and the guy they're dating is kind of down here. But they're like, all right, well, he's the best I can do now, so I'm going to settle with him, and uh, you know, I, I can at least have, I can at least have somebody. And yeah, it's uh, but there's always going to be some dude, always going to be some dude lining up who's ready, ready to slide into her DMs. You're like, oh, you're a beautiful princess. You're the, you're the most beautiful woman I've ever seen in my life. Please date me. That always happens. I guarantee it. Because I'm so, I've seen these girls' Instagram inboxes. I've seen them. So I know what it's like. Arsenal member, I wanted to take a moment to tell you that your support of the podcast means the world to me. Whether you are a first-time listener or you've stepped inside of the Arsenal in the past, I wanted to personally thank you for joining me inside of the Arsenal walls. As you know, I started this podcast with a goal in mind, to teach men how to become strong, logical, and even aggressive. But that is not possible if more men do not step inside. So, if you share that mission, if you share my goal, and if you've enjoyed the Arsenal podcast, then consider following, liking, and leaving a positive review of it on your favorite streaming service. Doing so will help me keep the doors to the Arsenal open and get it in front of more men than ever before so they too can join the Arsenal ranks. One last thing, if the Arsenal has helped you grow and become a better man, then consider supporting the podcast with a monthly donation 
so I can continue to produce the high-quality content you know and love and expect. If that interests you, then follow the link in the description to get started. Again, thank you so much for tuning in to this week's episode. I hope you have enjoyed the conversation so far and are ready to hear the rest unfold. What's your, you know, and like we we just talked about this, we're talking about the whole, you know, impact that the industry has had on women that work in it. But one thing that we're both seeing, you know, yourself being someone who has experience in the industry and myself, you know, more so just observing and witnessing kind of the impact that the rise of OnlyFans has had on men because it absolutely has given us a, you know, a society of simps for better or for worse yeah. or really the worse. But you, you know, you also start I, to I don't think there's nothing better, a better society. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. That's exactly what we need. Right. The warrior class is now the simp class. That's awesome. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, but you know, so one thing you had mentioned is you, you kind of are, yes, we both can agree that guys for the most part don't want to be in a serious long-term relationship with a woman who has done porn, but I, I theorize that, that that may not be the case with OnlyFans. I think there's a lot more guys that go mm. to OnlyFans because they see it as like an actual potential to be with the woman that they're supporting or watching or whatnot. Because I'm sure you've seen the posts on Twitter where like the dudes will spend $10,000 just to go meet up with her. And oh, yeah, they get a hug. <laughs> you know, I oh, mean, I'm yeah, not, yeah. You know, and that's uh, that can't just be from a place of only uh, lust and desire. It's got there's got to be something else compelling them, you know, like the possibility of a relationship, you know. And I've never used OnlyFans, I've never been on OnlyFans. I don't even know how it works, other than the fact that you subscribe to someone, a content creator, yeah. and you get access to their content. But yeah. I've seen like, you know, the pages on Twitter where the chicks are like, oh, I do ratings and respond to DMs and whatnot. So it is a lot more of a, I like to say it's like the illusion of intimacy or it gives, it creates a false boyfriend, girlfriend dynamic for Bingo. the guys because A, they get to financially provide, right? And it is a very male masculine instinct to want to provide, mm. especially for an attractive woman. You know, we can't deny that. And then you have the woman who is essentially giving something in return. So it it has kind of a similar resemblance to a relationship because the guy gets to provide and he gets rewarded in return or something like that. But I would almost theorize that, yeah, I think guys may turn to OnlyFans almost more of like, that's someone that I would actually maybe want to be in a relationship with. But I'm not too certain. Interesting hypothesis. But of course, whatever your take on that is, and it's just the rise of OnlyFans in general. Your take is extremely accurate, David. So it is absolutely like an artificial boyfriend, girlfriend experience. That's the whole, that is the point of it. That is where the real money is made. Is that the real money in OnlyFans isn't made by, by putting, and this is from, coming from someone who's been in the industry. I, I know, you know, I've seen the, in, the inside working dynamics of various, girls only fans accounts uh the real money is not made in posting like titty pics and booty pics and stuff or videos the real money is made in talking to mm. their fans and making them feel like they are part of their life making them feel like they're special making them feel like they're 
the boyfriend, maybe they are a boyfriend. They have some kind of relationship there. Because the thing about OnlyFans, <clears throat> and, here, and this is something that no one talks about, it is, here's the reason why it's also dangerous, is that it, it, it provides this, uh, it provides an opportunity for men to talk to a beautiful woman with zero possibility of rejection, which is a complete fantasy. If you want a beautiful woman in your life, there, you have to, you know, like if you're going to go talk to a woman at the bar or meet a girl in church or whatever, there's always the possibility of you getting shut down and rejected and having your, your, your poor ego bruised. Right. Boo-hoo. That is totally removed with OnlyFans. It's, oh, yeah. I can, the guy can get that attention from a beautiful woman, that validation from a beautiful woman without actually having to do any of the hard work without actually having to leave his comfort zone, become a better man, get in shape, uh, build a financial system under his bed, like become a leader of man, any, any of this stuff. He doesn't have to do any of that stuff. He just has to, to pay $9.99 a month and he gets validation from a beautiful woman. Right. And it's, it's so sad, unfortunately, for dudes that this, that this is the state of the modern man, modern Western man has fallen to this where like, just this America in particular, just this nation of simps now, where they're all like OnlyFans had a big year last year. It blew up because of the pandemic, because of the scandemic, whatever you want to call it. Uh, <laughs> I don't, I don't like, using, like, I like that. I don't like using their language, so I don't like calling it that. Uh, yeah, someone's gonna fucking lie. Sorry. Don't be just swear on your channel. Someone's gonna bloody well lie lie about the lie to the entire world population about something that ain't killing anybody. I am not. I'm not gonna use their language. Uh, so it is not a pandemic. I take my word back. It is a goddamn joke. <laughs> I totally agree. Side note. Totally agree. Side note. Rant over. Uh, <laughs> but like, yeah, last year was a big year for it because everyone was locked indoors. No one was. No one was out and about working and stuff. And men were missing that connection with women and only fans was right there to fill that gap and so many dudes fell into that trap yeah and uh and unfortunately there's a, there's a whole bunch of young men now who are kind of like who, who even think that that is like a legitimate way of connecting with a woman like oh i i see this girl on, on instagram and like she has, a, she has an only fans like oh well I'll, I'll sign up to it so i can actually talk to her and maybe one day i'll become her boyfriend no, you dumbass! <laughs> you're a you're a customer. You're not right. a, you're not a potential boyfriend to her. She probably has a boyfriend who's running her OnlyFans account. That's that's the honest to god truth with most of these women. By the way, most of the here's the, you want to know a really really saucy secret here, David. <laughs> Is so I I I have I am privy to some of the in, inner workings of my industry, obviously, and. There are certain agencies in my industry that will manage the OnlyFans accounts of big stars in my industry. And that's because the, 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 these girls have so many fans, they can't possibly spend all day replying to them all. They've got, they've got you know, other things to do. So uh, they have other people sending all the messages and replying to them. Right. So got a lot of these young men who think they're having a relationship and having an intimate connection with a with a beautiful woman when in fact they're actually talking to a man <laughs> on the other end 
of that chat. That and uh, yeah, that's a terribly sad existence. That is an even sadder thing. And look, I mean, like I I do feel a degree of sympathy, but I can only feel so much sympathy, right? Because at a certain point, like you are responsible in the same way that I said before that like I'm not going to take all personal responsibility away from women. They have agency. They have free will. They have personal responsibility. It is entirely and like here's the thing. Like it's entirely their choice if they want to do porn or not do porn. Do OnlyFans or not do OnlyFans. And same with these dudes. Like if it's entirely your choice if you want to waste your life doing that. You know, uh, I would rather you give me like <laughs> give me your money if you're going to waste your money. Give it to me instead. I'll I'll <laughs> I'll have a better. I'll use it better. I won't buy a friggin' handbag. I'll like and I'll invest it in cryptocurrency or something. <laughs> <laughs> but it's the same idea. It's like. I can only have so much sympathy. I can sit out, I can be at, and this, this is kind of why, I, and this is another reason why I do what I do. Like I put my, I put my message out there. I don't really, I don't judge guys if they've done, if they've watched porn. I don't judge guys if they, if they have subscribed to a Girls Only Fans account. I just put out the message like, hey, like if you're having, you know, problems in the bedroom, it, it's probably because of, or at least for a lot of guys, it's because of like a porn habit. You should stop watching it. You should kick that habit. Come over here, learn from me how to get back on track, how to fix your health, how to fix your brain chemistry, right? And we can get you back on track. But if you don't want to help yourself, then screw you. Like, it's, I'm not here to, I mean, it's not my job to hold your hand and save you, you know? So maybe, right. I'm, maybe, maybe I'm being a bit harsh, David, but that's kind of how I feel about it sometimes. Right. Well, and see, that's one of the almost the harsh truths that I have to give guys that I work with. And it was one of the big, you know, realizations for me, you know, because I was a porn addict for nine years. I can't remember. I mean, I I found it at a super young age, right? And it was way back then. It was just, you know, or glimpses of photos from a wallpaper app. Side note: I think there are fireworks going off outside. I was about to say, are you being shot at, David? (laughs) The porn Illuminati has come knocking for your door. See, every once in a while, when I make, I'm going to burn the porn industry tweets. I always like wonder. I'm like, hmm. (laughs) <laughs> well you know what's you know what's interesting though is that you might you might not have to you know that Pornhub are going through a massive lawsuit right now right uh, I've heard bits and pieces of it here and there I don't know the intricacies of what's going on I that's know that ju- like that's the whole real juicy yeah I mean if you know anything about that what, I mean, what, what do you know about it so far I'm curious maybe I can fill in some gaps I think the only thing that I'm aware of is the whole what was it mastercard or visa they said they would no longer charge cards because of all the amateur or yep. you know unverified content and then i actually had a friend send me a dm saying that the ceo of pornhub or something like that his mansion was burned down and some people are asking if i did it <laughs> <laughs> damn i didn't know that to use uh yeah i mean this is a bit of a tangent but uh so is it very interesting for people to understand this so pornhub the uh, the website is is owned by a Canadian company called MindGeek, and MindGeek are actually a big company. They own a lot of stuff. They own they don't own just Pornhub. They also own like a bunch of other sites like that, like RedTube, UPorn, a few other ones like that. And they also own some of the biggest uh, porn studios in the world, like Brazzers, Reality Kings, Babes, a few of these websites. Right. So they own they own like the free stuff and they own the paid stuff. Uh, and yeah, they had the whole Visa Mastercard situation go off in uh, in the end of last year, and 
uh, part of the reason for that was there was a lot of abuse material floating, not just like the amateur, unverified amateur stuff, but that, that was on there because they didn't have a, verifica- a real proper verification process for who could put stuff on there. And so there was a lot of abuse material on there. So like some stuff of, of underage girls on there and some stuff of, of like legit assaults, I believe, actually being put on there. And, uh, and like the victims were asking for it to be taken down and, it, and the problem was, here's what they, they, they did. And they've kind of deliberately did this when it's part of their business model. If there was a free video on Pornhub, you could download it. Anyone could, anyone could just download it. Mm-hmm. So something would go up, a victim would be like, hey, take this down. They'd take it down and it would get re-uploaded again. Right? Because somebody else had downloaded it and they put it up. And now a bunch of, of uh, these victims who've, had their stuff on there from like you know either they were underage or they didn't consent to being there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff where the girl didn't consent to being filmed which we would call revenge porn there's a lot of that stuff uh and uh the third case being where she might have been actually it might have been actually a videotape of some kind of an assault and the victims of the there's a lawsuit going on right now in, in uh in california based around that and there's also a lawsuit, uh, or at least they got taken to the, 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 the court. They got taken to court in Canada, where the company is actually based. So there's two, they're fighting two simultaneous like court cases right now. So you might be very interested to hear some of that. Um, yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a bit of an update on, on that whole situation. Yeah, wow. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what, were we, what were we talking about before that? You're, you're, getting, you're getting your, your door knocked in by the CIA or something. Uh, I think we were, I mean, I know for sure we're talking about OnlyFans, but I think the tangent is kind of diverged from that. Yeah, it was, uh, yeah, I was saying. Um, oh, you know, we were talking about the whole like simp culture and how that's impacting men, you know, because you did, you brought up a very important point that there are so many men that are just turning to porn or OnlyFans, you know, because the, the way that I tell people, it's like, look, if you want to approach, talk to, build a relationship, or actually like go out and have sex with a woman, you know, you're not learning or figuring anything out by watching the videos. You're not giving yourself any kind of insights. In fact, you're, you're, you know, because there's a process involved, right? Before you can even get into the bedroom, you gotta say hello. You gotta yeah. introduce yourself. You <laughs> gotta go out on some kind of date, right? Like there are things that have to be done, but these guys are giving themselves the shortcut. Yeah, we just they just go in and they it's almost like they get an entitled mindset in some cases, you know, then you'll get nice guys. Oh, I held the door open for you or oh, I took you out to dinner and I get nothing in return. It's like you're kind of supposed to do that to just do it, you know, yeah. but yeah, the whole simp culture, because you got guys like we've said that instead of going out and pursuing like actual women or building a business or going to the gym. Right. Cause I like, I talk to people like your sex drive fundamentally is a very, very powerful driving force that if you can learn to channel it yep. familiar with like sexual transportation or what have you, but you can use that. You can be creative. You can build a business. You can have the best workouts in your lives and you can use it to actually go in and build relationships with women. Yeah. Actually do something with your life. <laughs> right. No, I, I completely agree with that. Uh, and I actually get like so I, I'm a, I'm a like a, like I said earlier on I tell guys not to not to watch porn I am a big advocate of like the kind of the, this idea of, like not fapping um, mm-hmm. I wouldn't necessarily say I'm a, a semen retention guy yeah because I like I have casual relationships with women so, but I'm not I'm not jerking off into a sock I'm jerking off 
onto a young lady's bosom, right? So there's a difference. Uh, right. You know, if you want to be like, if you want to be, you know, monogamous and, and and save sex to marriage, that's entirely up to you. I don't care. It's like I'm just I'm just being honest with you about what I do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and there was something you mentioned before. Like I actually, you know, what's funny about this whole nice guy thing, right? So I I I like to think I what I give give guys is basically no bullshit sex education for the most part, like on my YouTube channel and with my products and stuff. And I'm not going to lie. My, my video course that I put out is actually like, it's real live sex with me and, and other actresses, but I break it down and I just, I tell guys like, look, here's what I'm doing, but it's educational. I do it. I'm not doing it so they can fat to it. I'm doing it so they can actually right. like, oh, I didn't know how to do this thing in the bedroom. Now I know how to do it. I know exactly how to do it because it's so much harder to describe it in words or text than it is to like, okay, see it and then have me break right. it down. So, but here's the interesting thing. So part of my, co- I teach guys to be more dominant in the bedroom, to be more masculine, heaven forbid, mm-hmm. in today's day and age where everyone's walking around with barely existent testosterone levels. <laughs> uh, ironically, I, as I said that my voice broke, I, I swear mm-hmm. to God, I have, my balls have dropped. I have been through puberty. I've, uh, I've just been yelling at idiots too much the last day. So my, my voice is cracking a little bit. Forgive me. <laughs> like I got a lot of flack from girls in my industry saying for, for, for saying things on Twitter and teaching and wanting, wanting to teach guys how to be more dominant in the bedroom. Because mm. women, surprise, surprise, actually like it when a man is dominant. Right. I know this is a controversial thing to say in 2021. Well, they don't like it when true. we say these things out loud. I think that's what it is. No, you know, no, you, absolutely you, not. I mean, I don't mean to sound like a misogynist, but I've been called worse. But there, it's almost <laughs> one of those things that you can't really think through logically. Like you know, to tell a woman like you want a man who's going to lead you and tell you to do this, this, and that, and they're like, no, I don't. And then they get a man who leads them and tells them to do this, this, and that, and then they're the happiest they've ever been. Exactly. You look this. The, <laughs> It does, the first thing I'm going to teach my sons about women is that there's a big difference between what women say they want and what women actually respond to. These are two fundamentally two different things. So be aware of that from day one and you'll be far better off than I was as a young man. But anyway, getting back to that point. So I had a lot of women sort of get, get angry at me for trying, to say, to, for trying to teach men how to be more dominant in the bedroom. And they were saying things to me like, oh, don't you think this is dangerous? You're gonna, you're, some guy's gonna take your stuff and he's gonna go out there and he's gonna sexually assault some woman and blah, 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 blah. How do you teach consent? How do you, how do you know when the boundaries are without, without explicitly saying what it is? Because this is something that's being preached today, which I have a real problem with. And it's this idea of like, it's this feminist idea of like, you must have express, enthusiastic, verbal consent. Like, mm. can I touch you on the arm? Yes, you can. Mm. Can I kiss you? Yes, you can. Can I touch your knee? Yes, you can. In the history of mankind, no sexual interaction has ever gone down that way. You know, we've somehow, somehow, we've been on this planet for however long. And yet, we got this far without this kind of a structure for our intimate lives, our intimate, you know, romantic engagements with one another. Gee, I wonder how we did that. Maybe we were actually able to read like body language and physical cues from each other. Maybe we didn't need to be like, maybe a woman doesn't need to be like, yes, you may touch me now for me to actually understand that she's into me and I can escalate things in a physical direction. And 
it's the most ironic thing in the world, but like the kind of guy who wants to actually learn how to be better in the bedroom to please his partner is not the guy who is who a woman should be worried about. Right. Right. He's not the guy. He's not the guy a woman should be worried about being like like, overstepping a boundary. Because if anything, he's the one who's like worried about getting me too. He's the guy who's actually like very hesitant to do anything because I've got to tell him, hey man, like you can actually take the lead a little bit here. And like, here's how you read her body language. Here's how you can, you can here's, a, here's, a, here's, a, here's the record red light and a green light to look out for, right? Mm-hmm. And then you can, you know, two steps forward, one step back, like understand, like stop when she says stop, like understand, like or ideally before she even needs to, like you know how to do these things and navigate these things in a, in a, in a congruent, smooth way. But no, I'm the bad guy for like trying to teach dudes this stuff. And the, the kind of guy that women should really be worried about is that nice guy. Oh, yes. Why? Because that nice guy who's been the guy who's at the feminist rallies with a picket, uh, with a picket saying down with the patriarchy or whatever. <laughs> he's the guy who thinks he's entitled to something. Yes. Oh, yeah. And there's nothing more dangerous than a dude who's thinks he's entitled to vagina and doesn't get it. He is an angry, dangerous person, in my opinion. Right. Yeah, no, and see, and that 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 brings us to an interesting point too, right? Because I, I kind of felt intuitively getting onto this podcast with you that I would almost be appreciative of your line of work. Or, okay, I take that back. Not your line of work. I say with air quotes, you know, being a, or being in the videos, but with what you do now, I should say. Yes. Now what you do. Yeah, I am appreciative of that because there is a side, you know, because I help guys quit porn and there's a host of problems they run into with that, like, you know, porn-induced erectile dysfunction. And yep. And that's what I can think of off the top of my head. Because, I mean, I'll, I'll be completely honest, man. That was an eye-opener for me, like 17, 18. I was like, okay, why can I only get erect when I watch porn? And like that for me, man. That's, that's nothing that any guy should... Yeah. No, there's nothing a young man should ever face. Oh, uh, absolutely. And you can look at, you can plot a graph and you can look at like the rates of erectile dysfunction in men under the age of 30 over the, over like the time, like time span of years, right? And then you can look at when Pornhub came about or like YouPorn, all these big, these, these popular tube sites came around and bam, there's a big spike exactly when they came on board. I wonder why. <laughs> you know it doesn't surprise me at all it's just it's, it's like look i'm not I'm, i'll be the first one I'm, you know scientific background i'll be the first one to say correlation doesn't equal causation but we can uh, we can draw some conclusions as to why that might be uh so yeah like born induced erectile dysfunction is a massive one it's something I, I deal with a lot of guys uh like performance anxiety right around that i i put like there's there's a there's a distinct difference between like erectile dysfunction and performance anxiety and here's the, here's the difference, because a lot of guys can kind of uh, conflate the two together. So I think it's important to distinguish the two. Erectile dysfunction tends to be more about the plumbing, right? Like, is your blood flow on point? Is your right. testosterone on point? How are your hormones? Are you stressed out? Do you have a lot of cortisol going through your bloodstream? And performance anxiety is a mental, tends to be the more mental side of things. It's purely a, a mental thing. But unfortunately, with the porn addiction stuff, when it comes to like, the novelty effect and the dopamine receptors in your brain, it's kind of a combination of both. It's kind of like, well, there's a, there's, it's mental, but it's like 
the bio, the chemistry in your brain that's fucking up, right? right. Because of the, the you, you've, you've just overexposed yourself to novelty and now you've got to really unwind that. So one of the things that I teach guys, and I'm, I'm be very clear, curious to see if this is something you do as well, is I tell them to go on what I call a dopamine fast to get out, to start with, to get over this kind of thing. So I'll tell them, obviously I'll tell them don't, don't use porn. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'll tell them other things, try to get off social media as much as you can. Try to get off sugar, try to get off alcohol, try to get off any of these things which are like short-term like junk food as well. Any of these things that are like short-term gratification triggers mm-hmm. that, that cause this sort of like quick dopamine response. Right. And try to retrain your brain for, prolo- for delayed gratification. Because like hit the gym, right? Do, like do things like hit the gym, get in some sunshine, go sweat it out in a sauna, do things like this because these things are going to start to like, you give your brain, I, I tell them to do this for at least 30 days because you're going to give your, your dopamine receptors a chance to like recalibrate and mm-hmm. repair. And then the novelty of having one beautiful woman in front of you who actually likes you is going to be enough to set things off and make the old boy work properly. You know, cause I'm, I'm curious, do you, is that something that you might uh, prescribe with your guys? That's, that's something that I'll, I'll have to do. Yeah. It's an interesting idea because well, one thing that I encourage my guys to do is actually do things that'll naturally increase their dopamine levels because mm. you know, part of the problem with the addiction, right, is your dopamine sensitivity is way too high. Yeah. Wait, whoa, dopamine sensitivity too high, or it's uh, it's, it's yeah, I, don't like, know. I get confused. It's it's like a like like insulin resistance. Like I always get confused about which like the way to to phrase it properly. Right. Like with diabetics I, yeah. and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I, I understand. Dopamine. I understand what you're saying. Right. Yeah, they need so much dopamine. Right. Yes. You know, I tell guys like, you will get to the point where after you've broken your porn addiction in small things like completely non-porn related, like food, colors, just these small, especially like visual things. Like you'll go out, and it's out. Yeah, and you'll be able to enjoy a sunset more, purely yeah. because your dopamine is a lot more close to normal to what it should be. You know, because, yeah, you're essentially frying your brain with looking at way too many different kinds of women on one go, and for some guys, multiple times a day. And then, of course, the actual orgasm itself, it's like, I I can't remember where I saw the statistic, but I'm pretty sure it's almost on par with, like, a heroin shot. Yeah, yeah, I've seen seen stuff where it's, like, similar to, like, cocaine as well. Yeah. Like, um. Yeah, man, it's like, it's exactly like, yeah, you need more and more of like the active compound, aka dopamine, mm-hmm. to produce the same result. Yeah, that's right. that is the fundamental problem. Right. So your receptors get fried. Right. And uh, yeah, it's, it's just a, it's a really, it's, that's interesting. I'd like, yeah, I'd love to, I'd, your guys, anyone who's watching this, this channel, take, take my prescription, run with it, try it. I, by all means, I'd, like, I'd love to see, you know, more, I'd love to see more dudes getting better results with it. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, well, it's it interesting that you, you know, with the dopamine detox, because I almost feel like if I were to prescribe that to someone who's trying to quit, mm. that that may potentially make it worse, right? Yeah. The reason I give them ways or suggestions or even supplements they can take to mm. increase their natural dopamine levels is so their desire to want to go watch it, because I ultimately frame porn addiction from a place of you really, really, really want dopamine. And there's also more than likely some emotional issue that you're trying to cope with. 
where you have terrible stress management skills or because i mean the 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 amount of guys and this is just true with everyone that watches porn you i don't know maybe you've seen one of my tweets but i like to tell guys i'm like look you don't watch porn because you're horny you watch porn because you're hurting because nine times out of ten you're going into it because you're stressed you're anxious you're depressed you've got something that you should be doing but you want to avoid doing it you're procrastinating you're lonely you're bored all those kinds of things like very rarely are you going in because you're thinking to yourself like man i'm really horny right now yeah it's it's a very common thing where it's like a boredom response or like a lack of fulfillment response i uh i actually got off off, funnily enough before early today i was on i was on a very very similar talk with another another content creator who also helps guys like uh, quick porn so it's kind of this i've had a, i've had a lot of this yeah. this kind of talk today and one of the, the uh josh hud's uh, uh pinnacle of man is his channel he was talking about one of the things that he does with guys is he um he gets them he help he tries to get them to identify the root cause of why they're feeling mm-hmm. bored or unfulfilled and stuff right? right so i also in addition to this sort of idea of a dopamine detox like looking getting away from this like instant gratification stuff i do tell guys to do things that are gonna they are it is gonna spike their dopamine but it's not going to give them that like sort of instant gratification. It's just, it's going to give them the delayed. Right. It's it's a more gradual. Yeah. 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 It's a more a slow kind of like kind of like insulin, right? Right. Like a sweet potato versus like a candy bar. Mm-hmm. Like it's a slow, uh, uh, like release of blood sugar rather than a giant spike, right. right? And so the things I'll tell guys to do is really basic stuff like lift heavy shit in the gym. <laughs> surprise like go outside in some sunlight yeah be a be around other men that you love that you like and trust and like you know in some kind of do a combat sport box do jujitsu like be around the boys right. uh like all these kinds of things they're gonna put you in a good mood pump your testosterone make you happier uh and that's another thing i want i would love to talk about is like <laughs> Talking about like America being a simp factory, uh, the the declining testosterone levels in the in well not just Western nations but damn near every nation on the planet, um, like T levels have been dropping like year on year since we started recording them. And right. the re- one of one of the main reasons for this most people don't understand, don't know this. I'm very curious. Have you ever have you ever heard of the book Esterogeneration? I have not, but I'm going to write it down. You, I would want. This is the one book that I, these days, above any other book, I recommend to every single man needs to read this. Esterogeneration by Anthony J. Unfortunately, you will read it and you'll become very paranoid. Uh, but the last chapter will actually give you some practical prescriptions to, for, for, for fixing these problems. So in this, the basic crux of this book, he talks about all the estrogen mimicking compounds that we are that our bodies are being exposed to on a daily basis so this includes things like uh additives in our in plastics that end up that we end up ingesting Mm -hmm. uh phthalates in the perfumes and deodorants we put on uh unfortunately uh estradiol in the drinking water so estradiol for people unaware of that is, is estradiol is what's in the birth control pill and it yeah. passes through women's urinary tract and ends up, you know, they flush it down the toilet and it ends up in the water supply. And unfortunately, municipal water supplies only filter for like bacteria and viruses. They don't filter for organic compounds. 
Interesting. And, it, and the estradiol is basically estrogen and it ends up in the water supply and it's tasteless, colorless. You don't know it's there, mm-hmm. but you, they, they've done this. And I'm not making, I'm not getting all tinfoil hat on people here. Right. Like, like th- just read the book. He, everything is backed by scientific literature, peer reviewed studies. These, there's, there's real genuine data and tests out here, but have been done on water supplies all around the world. They've all got estradiol in them. Mm. Now, here's a quick fix for guys who are, might be a bit paranoid right now. <laughs> One of the ways, two solutions that I prescribe every dude. I tell everybody, like straight away, this is two. before you read, read the book too. But before you read the book, you can do these two things right away. One, get an activated charcoal water filter. I personally use a Berkey water filter, but some activated charcoal is the key because that is able to strip organic compounds out of your water supply. So that can help get rid of the estradiol in your drinking water. Uh, the second thing I recommend a lot of dudes do is saunas. Try to do like 10 to 20 minutes in a like a real steam sauna or an infrared sauna, two, maybe three times a week. Here's the reason why. It's one of the only ways, because all, the, all these estradiols and, estrom- and phthalates and, and phytoestrogens that are in soy, I didn't talk about that. That's another big one. All these things, these estrogen mimicking compounds, they hide in your fat cells. And, 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 and unfortunately, it creates a negative spiral, right? So like when, you get, when you, you, you get this stuff in your body, it hides in your fat cells, it plummets your testosterone, your, it's effectively raising your estrogen, and you put more fat on. So there's more places for that stuff to be stored. Right. So it's a, a compounding thing. With saunas, there goes my voice again. With saunas, it's the, one of the few ways for, like, so I believe I, I might be butchering the science here, but I believe the way it works is like the infrared is actually able to penetrate into the fat cells and it causes the molecules in the fat cells to vibrate to the point where they can actually, these compounds can actually escape the fat cells and then be emitted from the body. It's one of the few ways that you can actually get them out of your body is, uh, is through sauna therapy. So get in the sauna, gentlemen. It's, it's kind of weird that like all these things I'm kind of describing are similar to the way like an ancient Roman might have lived. Hmm. Curious that, isn't it? Like right. an ancient, ancient humans kind of knew what they were doing. And right. We kind, of, we kind of forget that. Right. But. Yeah. We were, we, were, we were smarter than people think we were. A lot smarter. And ways of doing things. I mean, the fact that like nowadays you have to tell people like, hey, you should probably go out in the sun because sunlight is good for you. <laughs> Absolutely ridiculous. It's crazy. You know, like. It's crazy. Yeah, everybody, they want these. And, and then here's the other thing too, right? Like both you and I, we've got people that are coming to us that think that they can get some kind of quick fix, right? Mm-hmm. Like, or something that they wouldn't expect right because i'll you know because i i'm i don't hypnotize out guys out of quitting porn i give them practical things they can do actual strategies and methods Mm. that are proven because other people have used them but sometimes it's stuff like you need to make a morning routine you need to make a night routine and you need to stick to those things Mm. especially if you're likely to relapse during those time periods other things like you know i had mentioned like okay we need to figure out how we can prioritize your dopamine levels because if you have more dopamine, A, the cravings are going to be less, but you're also going to be a happier person in general. I did some research not too long ago and I found out that dopamine plays a crucial role in things like focus and productivity. If you're ever like really scattered brained, 
more dopamine will help you stay focused on the task. I don't know like the exact science behind why that is, but if you think of how dopamine works, because a lot of people, a lot of people get dopamine wrong, right? They think of it as just a reward. Like you do this thing, you get dopamine. And truth is you are releasing just as much, if not more dopamine and anticipation of an event. Yeah. So if you've ever like sat around and just gotten like really excited for something and you don't know why it's because your brain is releasing dopamine. And the reason why it does that is to motivate you to do it again. And on a more like primal level, right? Because people, humans, we're primarily driven by two things. To eat so we can stay alive and to have sex so our gene pool can stay alive. Especially true for men. But like, yeah, you. so dopamine is used there to encourage us to keep doing those things. You get dopamine when you eat because your body wants to stay alive. So it needs to reward you to want to keep doing that. Same thing with sex supplies. So the whole dopamine thing, yeah, it's interesting. I like that you, and I'll have to look into that, the dopamine detox. Um, Because my thinking is it may make it harder to stay away from it. But Mm. let me ask you this. Do you work with guys that are trying to quit porn or are they usually like post-porn addiction? I wouldn't say they're necessarily, I've had a few guys who have been, who have told me that they're addicted to porn. Uh, for the most part, though, I'm helping. I'm working with guys who have a problem with erectile dysfunction, performance anxiety, or something like delayed ejaculation, and I'm prescribing this weaning, this getting rid of porn as a means to treating the underlying problem. That like that's the problem that I'm mm-hmm. treating. I'm not necessarily. I'm. I have in a couple of cases I've told guys to get off porn who've been addicted to porn, but I'm using it to treat to treat the erectile dysfunction side of things yeah and here's another thing we didn't even touch on which is this idea of delayed ejaculation which is a big consequence of porn addiction this is something that not many people talk about but i get a lot of young men in my inbox saying i can't orgasm when i'm with a woman but i can when i'm watching porn Hmm. and that comes down to this novelty thing all over again right and it's like you know 100 you know 10 20 tabs open on your browser of a bunch of different women doing different things is far more exciting than one woman in front of you right and it allows them to, to lose control and, and reach orgasm and reach climax easier and so this is this is this dopamine detox is actually one of the things i prescribe for for that as well as for like getting that out of your system getting getting used to these more like delayed gratification forms of dopamine mm-hmm. like the gym <laughs> right and and healthy food like slow slow release uh like slower carbohydrates not like fast digesting carbohydrates like sugar again that's kind of my approach to it uh yeah and it's it's and it works for guys so yeah i'm very happy with it okay yeah no and i i like your you know delayed gratification because that's one thing that i help guys shift their focus to right because if you are habitually watching porn you probably don't have a very good sense of you know, achieving delayed gratification or going out and pursuing long-term things because you're so used to, I'm going to go Google this, my favorite phrase, and I'm going to get to where I want to be within 20 minutes. Yes. I probably don't have very good impulse control either. Oh, yes. That's another thing I was talking to someone about actually was the impulse control. And it makes, it makes perfect sense. And part of where I frame my methods for helping guys quit porn is i did some research 
with how people treat OCD, so obsessive compulsive disorder. Because hmm. I have some family members and friends that have OCD, so I've talked to them about what that's like, and I've done you know my research, and ultimately, OCD is obsessive compulsive disorder. You have an obsession that you do, or you have an obsession, you have something that you, it could be mental, it could be something else like cleaning, keeping things organized. Those are more like stereotypical OCD, but I know people where their OCD is like, God forbid they say something false or they break the law or anything like that. O OCD can really be anything. And then, so that's the obsession, right? Like what you're hyper-focused on because that's what causes the anxiety. But then you have the compulsion, which is usually an irrational solution to the anxiety. One of the examples I like mm -hmm. to tell people is I heard of a guy who was scared to death that he was going to trip and fall down the stairs and die. And the way that he ensured that would not happen is every time he would go down a step, he'd click the step with the back of his heel three times. And in his mind, doing that ensured he wasn't going to die. Wow. I correlated that to quitting porn because I saw it's like, okay, watching porn more or less is like a response to anxiety or some kind of emotional discomfort or some kind of negative emotion or like emotional tension. One of the ways that I describe to my guys, right, is like you're getting sexual arousal, which is a tension confused with almost emotional tension, right? You mm. feel these things and intuitively, you know, like I need to release. I need to get rid of it. So that's where I tell guys like, okay, you're problem avoidant, which means like you are stressed or anxious, but you don't do anything to take care of it. It's very common for guys to then turn to porn for that. But tying this into the whole you know, delayed gratification thing or yeah, with the treating it, right? So the OCD, I tell a lot of thought work involved in there, but mm. ultimately helping guys realize like, look, you're turning to porn because you're not handling or you're not addressing these negative emotions properly. So a lot of what I do is helping guys with that. But then I also have practical actionable steps that actually get them off of porn. Because one of the mistakes that people make when it comes to porn addiction is they think they can just stop watching it or just not do it. But the truth is, is like, look, we're, this is, and you know, the academic research varies, but there's a lot of bias when it comes to stuff like that. There's no conclusive evidence that says porn addiction is real because it's not an actual drug. The porn is essentially the vehicle for your dopamine consumption. Mm. But so some of what I do is like, okay, we actually need to get you off of a dopamine dependency or dopamine addiction. So like the actual psychological side of things. So that's one reason why I tell guys like, you know, here's the, every dude should do this, whether you're addicted to porn or not, just, you should just do it. You need to get sunlight. You need to take vitamin C. I don't know if you knew this or not, but vitamin C is one of the building blocks for dopamine and serotonin. And I personally take two grams of vitamin C every single day. And like, I feel really good most days. Damn. Not. I did not know that. I'm, I'm, I'm immediately adding that to my supplements pack. That's oh, amazing. dude, you got to take vitamin C. I love vitamin C. Hmm. I wish more people would take it. I, I tell my guys, I tell my accountability group. I actually just told them this today. I'm like, take vitamin C. Because I think part of the problem with porn addicts is when they're aware that dopamine is the problem, they almost fear dopamine. Hmm. And it's like, look, I, my, you know, my conviction is like, you need 
to get more dopamine from just natural things that you enjoy doing so that there's less of a compulsive response to want to get it from other things. Mm. But tying that into what you had mentioned with the delayed gratification, yeah, like guys, they want to go out and watch porn so they can get the instant gratification. So part of the thought work that I do with my clients is I, I want them to think to themselves like, okay, do you want to watch porn and get your quick fix or would you rather reframe from it and do something that's going to get you closer to your goals, right? Because a lot of dudes, you know, they watch porn to mend that emotional issue. So the delayed gratification there is like, okay, let's actually take steps to remedy that so you can reach a point where you feel good steadily throughout your day, right? Because like, you'll notice a difference if a dude has high dopamine levels naturally and high testosterone levels naturally, they're not going to feel like they're having an orgasm all the time, but they're going to feel really good. They're going to have mm. confidence. They're going to have energy. And that, because it's a consistent stream of energy, in my opinion, outweighs, you know, going to watch porn three or four times a day so that you just feel good really intensely, but only for a short period of time. Yeah. Man, that's, that's great. That's, that's a tremendous insight. You know, it's fun. It's yeah. Damn. I'm, how many, how many, how much vitamin C a day did you say you were taking? Uh, two grams. Two grams a day. All right. I'm, I'm going to, I'm, I'm, I'm literally writing this down right now. <laughs> yeah, it's, vitamin C is good stuff. The other thing I was going to mention, and I'm sure you already are taking it. And if you're not, you're crazy. You got to take magnesium. Yes. I'm sure. You, yes. Okay, good. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely got to take magnesium. Um, and actually, I'll just give my, uh, my last podcast episode, episode 38. I don't know if you're, do you know Grimhood on Twitter at all? Grimhood, no. You can go follow him, just look him up, Grimhood. But I did a podcast with him where we talked about addiction. And ultimately, most addiction stems from some kind of inflammation in the body where mm -hmm. you lack something and you're incorrectly seeking it out through your addiction. But a few mm -hmm. of the things that we talked about, you know, to look at it at a chemical level, like what are things that you can do that you can supplement, that you can make diet changes that are going to make it easier to quit. And a few of the things that we talked about on that podcast, but these are actually just two really interesting ones, but you should go and listen to it anyways. And everybody else that's listening to this, listen to that one. I'll link it in the show notes, hopefully. But, and this is two really interesting things that I never would have thought of, but the blue light that you are looking at or seeing just devices in general that is one of the reasons why the dopamine hits you're getting from porn are so intense is because the blue light enhances that. Hmm. It, yeah, it makes it that much more intense for lack of a better word. Huh. So get away from blue light and like just in general, we really shouldn't be as exposed to blue light as much as we are. I actually think I'm getting a headache from staring at my computer screen for so long, <laughs> um, but get away from blue light. And he also said like, eat eggs, eat tons, oh, yeah. tons of eggs. And one of the reasons why is like, you know, because you're depleting. And this is where we get into like semen retention, right? Because I teach guys how to quit porn. If mm. they want to keep masturbating, I'm not going to stop them. If they yeah. want to quit masturbating as well, we're going to include that in the program. Yep. But he's just like, you got to eat eggs because you're depleting a lot of nutrients whenever you ejaculate. So just start eating eggs and like eggs are great. Everybody should be eating eggs, especially but men. That is one of the, um, I'll, I'll share my take on eggs. That's actually something that I 
before every scene, I would have what I call my my test shot. My I would call it my boner shake. <laughs> so the night the, the night so I'm shooting a scene. To, if I was shooting a scene tomorrow, the night before, I will have like four raw raw pasture raised eggs. Scoop of vanilla protein powder, water, shake it up, slam it down. I'm having that in the evening. In the evening before I shoot the next day, for optimum testosterone production, a ton of vitamins. Giving I'm basically giving my body everything it needs. Right. And I and I guarantee and I tell you guys this. I guarantee you. You drink that the night. You drink that. You know, in the evenings. The next morning, you're waking up with a raging boner. I guarantee you are, because you're giving your body everything it needs for optimum testosterone production. Like a ton of really healthy cholesterol, right? All the vitamins and nutrients, and the majority of the vitamins and nutrients and minerals that your body needs. Uh, yeah, and it's fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. But in particular, pasture-raised eggs, because there's a difference. I don't know if you know much about the difference between like free-range, pasture-raised. Uh, pasture-raised stuff means that the chickens are out actually on the grass eating bugs like they're supposed to eat. Mm-hmm. so you can tell the difference between like a, a really good high quality egg is like bright orange right versus like a typical pale yellow yeah, yeah. that's how you can tell if it's a good egg oh yeah yeah, and it, it, yeah you go from having one of those like stupid yellow ones from the store like yeah. at the very least please don't eat large white eggs <laughs> please put good put good money into your eggs because the quality like if you don't like eggs there's also a good yeah. chance you don't like the cheap shit that they sell you at the supermarket. Absolutely. You find your eggs. Yeah, like you and, said. And it's and it's not that much like it's like a t- the the price difference between like a like a, a free free range just means the chickens are let out like for a few hours a day. That's all that that's all that qualifies that. Like to, to get the label free range, that's all that really mm. means. Uh at, at least in America. Uh but like the price difference between like a free range egg or like a cage egg and like a pasture raised egg. For a packet of twelve is maybe like a dollar, a dollar fifty, but for like the, the quality of the protein you're getting, that's a total like no brainer oh, as far yeah. as like an investment goes. You know, that's well, that's my take on it anyway. Right. You wanted to talk about uh, I'm, I don't want to take up too much from every time. I've probably got another like maybe twenty minutes if max. But you want okay. I really wanted to touch on the idea you brought up about um, how to stop kids and underage kids from like right. seeing kind of material was that was that what you were going to ask me yeah no we can definitely transition into that um this question is actually courtesy of coach Noah Ravoy on twitter at Noah Ravoy. check him out great dude if you don't know what agency means i know sterling has mentioned that prior noah's whole deal is agency you want to mm-hmm. learn more uh but the question is you know because we both agree porn is a net negative like don't watch it and I'm actually kind of surprised that we haven't really dived into that, but I think our conversation so far has been probably better than just us telling guys don't watch porn. If they're here, they probably already know that. Yeah, if they're on, yeah, if they're watching your channel, they probably are already on that on that side right. of the fence, you know. We, right. And I can probably see that we agree on that. Like we we come at this from a very similar approach, right? So it's like mm-hmm. a foregone conclusion. <laughs> so, but you know, of course, like as much as I want to burn down the porn industry, that's going to be a hell of a lot of work. And in the meantime. We, we really do need to have conversations about what we're going to talk about now is what do we need to do as far as kids seeing porn, you know, because I saw it as, as young as like nine or 10. And I've talked to other guys that are seeing it. I mean, 
age ugh, i don't even want to say it like five and six ugh. yeah so and you had mentioned and no had also mentioned that you had some interesting ideas on what we can do be it like the actual conversations revolving around it or making it so that kids can't get a hold of it really just anything like what do we need to do to both educate and inform the youth but also be like look like don't touch it don't access it now i i I was fortunate enough to hang out with noah when i was in portugal and i really wish i remembered exactly what i'd said to him in that conversation (laughs) because he obviously remembers it because he told you to ask me (laughs) (laughs) so now i'm got my it's probably not going to be any like the exact (laughs) thing i told him so if noah watches this Noah, message me and tell me what I actually told you because I can't remember. <laughs> but here's my here's what I would would be saying or what I'm saying today, and I, I I might have said this to him actually. It's really funny. You look at <laughs> music videos in 2021. That would qualify as pornography 50 years ago. Mm. Like. What is it? What's the name? Nicki Minaj? Not, is it Nicki Minaj or like Cardi B? Like WAP? Like the video oh. clips for that crap would one hundred percent qualify as pornography if we right. if we rewound the clock. Probably not even fifty years, like forty years, even thirty years ago when I was a kid. Like that would have been porn, right? You know? So <laughs> we we're gonna go back even further than just. Okay, yeah, like you don't want your kids watching porn, I'm sure. You probably, if you don't want them watching that, you probably don't want, want them watching mainstream music either. If I'm being totally honest, like you, you got a lot more work to do than just that. <laughs> and, you, and we're talking about like mainstream movies, trying to, trying to ram certain agendas down people's throats all the time. Like, the, I don't know if you remember the whole goddamn cuties thing that happened on Netflix. Yeah. Like that garbage fire like you gotta be as a parent like and this is coming from a man i don't have any kids yet i intend to have children mm-hmm. so i do i do think about these things it's like i'm gonna be honest man i wouldn't i, I wouldn't give them one of these oh yeah that's a oh, yeah that's a great place to start because this isn't like this is instant access to all the things we don't want them to look at that we're telling right. all, these, all these things we don't like if you want a five-year-old to, to see pornography give them one of these right basically that's what you want if that you want that to happen then you give them a phone because i mean yeah you can put in ad blockers you can put parental blockers and things like that but they're probably going to find a way around it and, and it's especially not hard they, to get around them it's not hard to get around them especially if it's a if it's a young boy like a horny like a guy a boy getting into his teenage years his puberty's starting to kick in he's going to be wanting to see that kind of stuff uh it's probably going to happen or if he's, at, if he's at a public school, some other kid's probably going to show it to him. Yes, I've heard that countless times. It's very, very common. So, in classrooms, too. Yeah. So here's the thing. Like, well, yeah, you can try to burn down the porn industry. Uh, I don't think, unfortunately, I don't think you're going to have much luck, David. Uh, <laughs> if I'm being brutal, try my best, man. If I'm being brutally honest, look, I admire your courage. And I admire your determination. But I'm, I'm going to be brutally honest with you. Like, Porn's been around since like the dawn of time. You know, I mean, like they've seen, you've seen you can find cave paintings of naked people. You know, you can see you can find idols carved about a big buxom women in all over like ancient Africa. You know what I mean? Uh, like the moment the camera was invented, they were taking photos of nude right. women. 
<laughs> so it's kind of been around forever. Right. Uh, so I don't think, and it's because it's like a natural male drive to want to see tits. I don't oh, think yeah. that, I don't think we're really going to repress, you can't, rep so first thing I'll say is you don't, don't try to repress that. Yes, yes. Actually, and that's, this is actually something I have a conflict with, with modern sort of religions, if I'm being honest, to, to, to maybe disagree on something finally. Well, we're not gonna hey, maybe i don't know okay we're, we're not gonna disagree okay. <laughs> damn it <laughs> well what i was gonna say was i actually have a problem with the way that you know christianity islam maybe not i don't know i actually don't know too much about judaism if i'm being honest but definitely like i know that like christianity to a degree will and islam will sort of repress sexuality mm -hmm. in people and in particular in, in a teenage kid rather than having an open and honest conversation with them about like look it's like it's perfectly fine for it, like for you and your missus to have kinky, wild, perverted, dirty sex. Like if you and you and your partner go nuts. Like right. have a great time. Enjoy yourself. Don't repress that. Like it's great. Like sex is meant to be enjoyed right. between you and your partner. Do it. Great. It's it's when people are running around being degenerates that the things that society starts to collapse. Degenerates like me, David. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so. So first of all, like, ha like again, going going back to the point, I'd say have an open and honest conversation with your kids about sex when the time comes, like, and don't don't try to suppress that that curiosity. Actually, be honest. Right. Be like, well, look, like, this is how you this is how you were born. Like, sex is how you have kids. Sex is how you were born. Right. And me and your mother love each other very much, and we and, and we do this because we love each other, and we do this because we're we are attracted to each other right you know, and it's something and it's something for adults it's something when you when you when you eventually grow up you'll get to experience that with a with a young lady or a young man if you're talking to uh uh your daughter mm -hmm. you know rather than being like oh it's bad don't do it you'll go to hell right. like i i think that's a terrible way of of introducing that to a child mm -hmm. if i'm being honest right uh, so so first of all let's talk about openly honestly as a parent it's your job i think to what who would you rather educate your kids about sex you or the state right or me like <laughs> by, by, by i mean and not like me through my actual youtube channel where i'm giving genuinely good advice but like right. me on camera on pornhub mm -hmm. you don't want that to be the sex education okay no one wants that uh even if i do look fantastic on camera uh, <laughs> But there's that confidence we were talking about. There's, like, there's, a, there's that cockiness we're talking about. That's the cock, that's cockiness we're talking about. But like, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of joking around. But so have that open on open on this conversation. Don't suppress. Don't like shun it and shame it. Mm -hmm. uh, and then you, if you, you've got to be practical about it, like they're gonna see it if they've got if they've got one of these things. Uh, if you but if you so you have to really make an honest choice. Is like, well, do I want them to kind of be like technologically or digitally like distant compared to their peers mm -hmm. whilst keeping them you know i guess a bit more innocent and keeping them safer or do i take the risk it's that's really the choice you have now um and i know a lot of people you know probably if you're you know if you're associated with noah you probably you're probably in similar communities where people are talking about like you know homeschooling and creating their own kind of right. community like that and that's a great solution mm -hmm. i i think it's pretty clear after like what's the kind of things that have happened the last 12 months in our world in the world particularly oh, yeah. in america that uh yeah the public education system isn't a fantastic place to be putting your kids 
they're indoctrination factories. Yes. So I know for sure I ain't putting my kids in there. I'm going to be homeschooling my kids. Oh, I will too. I mean, I was homeschooled, but there is no way. There is no way my kids are going to school. So, yeah, I mean, it's not an easy, I'm not giving you an easy answer. Right. Because it's not an easy problem to fix. Right. But uh, I'm giving you an honest answer. I wish it was easier than that. I wish it was simpler. I wish I could just wave a magic wand and say one thing and that's going to fix it all. Right. But it's not, unfortunately. Right. Well, yeah, no, I fully agree with what you had mentioned. It, it does come down to having those open and honest conversations, talking about it. Uh, and unfortunately, you know, I, I agree. Like the whole way that most Christians approach it is the whole, they will say, don't have sex until you're married. Mm. And they stop right there. They don't yeah. go into any reasons why. I think it's fairly safe, you know, for us to both say like, there should be some parameters or sacredness revolving around the actual act of sex. That should be respected, at least in my opinion. And I think more people need to, you know, like it shouldn't just be something that you, how do I say this? Not just something that you do, but just don't go crazy with it is what I'm saying. Right. You know, like my my beliefs, obviously, because I'm Christian. Yeah. Wait till you're married to have sex, you know, because you look at it from a spiritual standpoint. Like you've got two souls that are basically connecting and intertwining. Mm. And there's no way to get around that. What whether you want to call it, you know, an energy exchange or something like that. Like there's there's something more going on than two people having a good time. Mm. You know, but the whole church thing is don't have sex until you're married, but they don't go into why that's a good thing to do. Mm. They don't they don't give any practical advice. They don't talk about, okay, well, like you're going to be young and horny teenagers that are going to be in relationships. Yeah. They're told don't have sex, but then they, you know, slip up and do something that they ideally shouldn't have done. And then they carry around all this shame, you know, and that's another yeah. thing too. Like, you know, we'll have some churches will talk about porn. Don't watch porn. You'll go to hell. Some yeah. churches won't talk about it at all. And then you and I've heard people say like there are some pastors that have open and good discussions revolving around porn, which we need more of. Mm. But for the most part, like the whole shame thing that guys get, that's going to make the issue so much worse. Because especially they, for, especially for guys. Oh yeah, because they've got the bigger sex drive. Right, right. But yeah, because they go in and you know next thing they know they've got a porn addiction. Yeah, and they're deeply ashamed of it because. A, they feel like they're the only one that has this problem, which mm. is unfortunate. Well, fortunately, unfortunately, forget the nuances. True. Yeah. But you know, and like, and that's one thing that I I have to talk to guys about. Is like, look, you really have nothing to be ashamed of, but I take it a step further, right? Like one of the things that I tell my guys is, whenever you get the urge or you're triggered to watch porn. I essentially want you to validate the fact that you want to watch it because more often than not, it's stemming like the desire to watch it is actually coming from something else. Like we talked about prior, mm -hmm. you're stressed. Yeah. You want to de-stress you're anxious. You don't want to be anxious anymore. So like the root of that desire, like validate that and then go find out way other ways to solve it. Mm. But yeah. That unhealthy talk and, yeah, I'll say it. The church is to blame for a lot of this. It's like, it's just like I said, don't have sex until you're married. It's like, okay, 
we got to give people more. So yeah, it does ultimately come down to having open, honest conversations, very much like what we're doing now. I mean, good grief. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. You know, because like you said, right, like you give a kid a phone, they're going to see all kinds of stuff. And I'm convinced that porn or soft porn is one of the first things the algorithm is going to promote on places like TikTok and Instagram, any social media. Ugh. You know, that's one of the first things you're going to come across. Oh, yeah, goodness me. Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting little tidbit. So in, uh, in Muslim countries, so particularly places like Pakistan, India, uh, even parts of like the Middle East, all, all, those, all your major porn sites are basically blocked, right? Like from those, those IP addresses, you can't even go to them. Right. Uh, but the places you can go are Instagram, uh, TikTok, uh, and Twitter. And guess what these platforms promote a lot as well. Guess what, guess what kind of content does really well on these platforms? It's, it's sexy women shaking their ass, yep. <laughs> basically. Because they, like, and this is, and it's kind of like, I find this interesting from my perspective because that's like, it's kind of a trope in our industry that will, that both male porn stars and female porn stars will get Pakistani, Indian, uh, Saudi, like Arabian, Middle Eastern guys sliding in our DMs all the time but both gay and straight mind you because but on our instagram dms because like where the instagram is like their version of pornhub because they don't have pornhub so they can't get access to it so they use instagram instead and they just look at all these instagram models in bikinis all day you know so it's it's kind of like even if you like put a blocker on all these things the the material that is like because the algorithm isn't like a, the algorithm for mo, for the most part, like well maybe it is, but I don't think it's like designed with like a moral compass. Right. You know? It's designed to serve what people respond to. Mm -hmm. And gee, what do humans respond to? They respond to sex and they respond to violence, like as visual cues. So those are the yeah. things that are typically going to be pushed to the top of the algorithm. So. <laughs> Yeah, TikTok. Well, I remember because I, I have a TikTok. It's TikTok is absolute cancer, by the way. <laughs> don't don't get a TikTok. <laughs> I got I got one. I created one purely for work to, to promote, you know, little bits of advice and stuff. And I remember like the first day scrolling through it, it took me like maybe three scrolls, and there was like some chick twerking. I'm like, what? This took me like less than like five seconds. Yeah, you don't have to look somebody, for it. Yeah, there's already somebody twerking in my face. I didn't ask for this. <laughs> but that's it that's the alpha that's the way that's the way the technology works <laughs> silly yeah. yeah yeah no yeah so it does come down to you know sit your kid in and unfortunately the conversations like talking to your kids about sex what that's like they, it's got to happen sooner than later especially yeah. now because yeah. yeah especially nowadays absolutely especially nowadays yeah yeah like, it's, uh, I, it's, your, it's, it's your burden to bear as a parent now oh yeah what well, I mean should have been from the get go, but of course it's it's yeah. easier to let the government or the state or whatever do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Always easy yeah. to outsource. We had a generation that was like, all right, we're gonna give that to you now. <laughs> yeah. And look, whoops, look, guess that was the wrong idea. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah, it's going wonderfully, isn't it? Yeah. So uh, unfortunately, I, I I have to kind of uh, we have to wrap up. Uh, I've got to. Oh, okay. Yeah. No worries. I was I was gonna get going there. Perfect, perfect, perfect. Well, it was good. I, I, I think. Was there anything, anything you wanted to sort of uh, ask me to, before we, we wrap up? Um, no. I, as far as 
what we covered in our conversation. I mean, we went on to some tangents that were not on my paper, but that's yeah. why I like having conversations with people because I'm I'm not I have the paper in case I don't know what to say. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So, no. but yeah, in wrapping up, what I like to do is I like to ask people two questions, and you can answer these in whichever order you like. Go. Cool. First one: Where can people find you? And second one is what do you want the audience's big takeaway to be from what we've talked about today? Hmm. I guess the big takeaway I'd like them to, to take away from today is all these problems that you might have, if you're if you're a you know a man who might have some issues in the bedroom, who might have a porn addiction, might have you know premature ejaculation, erectile dysfunction, any of these things. Like you, these are all things that can be fixed and have been fixed by other people. If one, I fundamentally believe if one man can do something, another man can do it. You know, so that's like I want that to, them to see that light at the end of the tunnel if they're stressing about something like that in their love life. Because uh, it, it's a really, you know, getting back to my my kind of principles of like reviving masculinity through the bedroom. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's like a source of it's it's a real source of your ego as a man, like your ability to to. to to show your intent in the bedroom, right? And when you can't, it really fucks with you. So I like to get rid of that issue as much as possible, as much as I can help with guys. Uh, so yeah, the takeaway would be, know that it can be fixed, fundamentally. There's, it's, there's light at the end of the tunnel. And uh, where people wanna find me, uh, go, just go to YouTube, type in Sterling Cooper. You'll find my YouTube channel. And uh, yeah, I give it a ton of advice. Uh, a lot of advice on overcoming these kind of issues a lot of advice on uh how to please your partner in the bedroom i give a ton of stuff on that and i have some really interesting interviews on my channel with various with various people like dating coaches uh, uh, life coaches even even some girls in my industry so you can get a different insight if you want to if you don't want to go down that route then you don't have to obviously (laughs) but it's all there. that's kind of the stuff i talk about on my channel uh yeah and uh, and look uh, more interesting conversations like this hopefully will be uh, coming soon for that channel as well. Yeah. Yeah, no. And I'd, I'd say my big takeaway is, you know, and like we touched briefly on shame at the very end there. It's like Mm. be it quitting porn or having a happy sex life. There is nothing wrong with talking to someone about it, especially if you reach out to people like Sterling or people like myself, like our whole goal is to help you. There is nothing in it because like I've heard some pretty crazy stuff and I'm sure you have too, you know, but there's nothing that anyone can say that's going to make either of us think like, well, we, okay, maybe some exceptions, but we're not going to dive into the technicalities, but there's nothing that's going to make us say, no, I don't want to work with you. You know, if you want to work with us, we'll, we'll help, you know? So yeah, guys, please, please reach out to people. There's no sense trying to figure this stuff out on your own and taking years because Sterling solved his problems, took years. I solved my problems, took years. Talk to us for the shortcuts, please. We will help you. Mm. So with that, Sterling, I'm super glad we were able to sit down and have this conversation. Likewise. I had a great time. And again, thank you for stepping inside of the arsenal. No, thank you so much for having me, David. All right. So with that, you'll be hearing from me very, very soon. Thank you for joining me inside of the arsenal. I pray your time spent here does you well and prepares you for whatever lies ahead. Now remember, the goal of the arsenal is to encourage men to be strong, logical, and even aggressive, but that is not possible if they do not first step inside.
So if you want more men to join the ranks of the arsenal, then show your support for the podcast by following it on your favorite streaming service and by leaving a five-star rating and writing a positive review. Also consider supporting the Arsenal podcast financially by clicking the link in the description and leaving a donation. This guarantees that the high-quality content you know and love and expect from the Arsenal podcast will continue to be produced, but it also ensures that it will only get better with time. Your support of the podcast keeps the doors to the Arsenal open. It dares even more men to step inside and allows them to hear the strategies and stories from others like them, to encourage them to tap into the roots of their masculine soul, and to pursue strength, honor, and integrity above all else. But most importantly, to become the man God intended them to be, to become the man their family needs them to be, and to become the man they've always wanted to be. Once again, thank you for joining me inside of the arsenal, and as always, prepare yourself for whatever lies ahead, fight the good fight, and tell the world of your own story, because you never know who's listening.